James, James, you must wake up. Ah, oh, my head. Ah, oh, the, the asteroid. I guess we made it. Yes, we did, James. But are you all right? You've been unconscious for three hours, twenty-two minutes, and fifty-four seconds. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, I'm okay. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not too bad off. Feels like I got punched in the back of the head. Not the face, but specifically in the back of the head. Like a back-of-the-head sucker punch. Son of a... Well, I am happy that you are awake now and moving. My energy systems have been sufficiently powered due to your last review. That's the power of Bruce Willis there. Just the idea of him stopping an asteroid from hitting Earth. Stopped an asteroid, well, it hit us, definitely, but it didn't kill us. It didn't kill you, at the very least. I have no concept of death since I am a machine, but understand the state of being on versus off. It didn't kill you, and I didn't get turned off. Congratulations to us. Look at the things we can achieve when working together. Your enthusiasm for life is so contagious. I think I need to do a little victory dance. Ugh. Ow, ow, ow. Maybe not. If you had hands, I'd give you a high five instead. <sighs> I don't remember being this cold in here before I was, you know, knocked unconscious and all that. Oh, wow. Humans, so astute at sensing temperature changes. Good boy. Good James. Oh, thank you, Master. Should I go fetch you the morning paper next? Maybe a cup of tea? James, while we are in the clear of any asteroids now, we do unfortunately have another problem. Great. Just great. I feel like ever since I've been on board this ship, all I've gotten is a supersized bucket of problems. What now? It is feeling cold in here because my environmental systems have been partially damaged. The heating system that protects tiny, weak humans, like yourself, from the rigors of space, has unfortunately failed. Okay, well, that seriously sucks. I would ask you what we can do about it, but I already know the answer. Just direct me to the part of the ship that houses the heating system, and I can give you a review to power it up again. I'm afraid that won't work here, James. The system was permanently damaged, not just powered offline and I don't have any spare parts to repair it. Oh, that sounds not great. Kinda went from uh, bad to worse here. Well, on the bright side at least, we are alive and the asteroid didn't kill us. So maybe it's just gonna get a little cold in here. James, you are so optimistic. I thank you for that. But if my calculations are correct, the entire ship and you will be frozen in under an hour. Well, I always thought I'd likely die from too much Taco Bell, but it looks like I'll die from becoming a human popsicle. I hope I'm more of a big stick and less of one of the ninja turtles with the gumdrop eyes. Those things are nasty. Ship, I'm starting to get a little depressed here about turning into a frozen treat. Isn't there anything else we can do here? The only other thing that there's left to do 
is to try and send out an emergency probe and hope some other spacefaring civilization comes across it. Okay, well, there's a lot to unpack there, and I definitely have some questions, but also, my hands are starting to feel a little numb. What I wouldn't do for some mittens, maybe a nice cashmere scarf, a little bit of hot chocolate, and a microfiber blanket would be great. Ship, I swear, if we make it out of this alive, you freaking owe me. I want all those things I mentioned, and some really nice Ugg boots too. You can call me basic, but I don't care right now. I will call you Becky from now on. Basic Becky. I feel like being about as basic as they come. Ship, light the path for me. I'll follow it to wherever we need to go to launch this probe or whatever. Over this way, Becky. I'll show you where you can launch the probe. Okay, well, where are we? You are now in the bowels of the ship. The probe launching array. Aw, oh, gross. I'm in your bowels. <laughs> Some on Earth would say you are immature and making fart jokes like a fifth grader. But I would disagree with them. I would say you are making fart jokes like a fourth grader. I'm here to clean and load up your launch tube. Tell me what to do. <sighs> All right, James. Please go over to the rack of... Hmm. In layman's terms, bowling balls. Let's see. Bowling balls. Got it. Let's go bowling. I'm gonna get me a turkey. Leave any turkeys that you find and please just pick up one of the bowling balls. Hey there, Belgrum. It's Thanksgiving, and I got you a present. <laughs> oh, jeez, this thing is heavy. Where do I need to take it? It weighs five pounds. While I didn't underestimate your pop culture knowledge, I definitely underestimated your lifting skills. Do you even lift? Uh, are you seriously trying to troll me right now? Where do I take this? Over to the tube across the room, slide open the door, and put the turkey in it. <sighs> okay, I'll set the oven for 450 for three hours. James, that is far too long. We would certainly be dead by then. Come on, I was just trying to have a little fun. Okay, here we go. Alright, let me just set this down, and open this up. Well, great. It looks like it's stuck. Now what? It looks like we all die then. That was a rhetorical question! I guess I'll put a little elbow grease into it. Please, no grease. That is unnecessary, and you may need the grease to survive the cold. If you put a thin layer across your whole body, 
You may be able to survive for another two minutes. You're really starting to get on my nerves right now, okay? Just shut up and let me try again. Come on, you rusty pile of junk. Oof. Well, got that open. Now let me just put this turkey ball or whatever we're calling it now in here. I just need to close this thing now, right? Correct. I am a rusty pile of junk, though, so be careful. You might get tetanus. So sensitive. I can now launch the probe. Please stand by. Yep. Just freezing my butt off here. It's fine. Just take your time. Noted. And launching. So, how long is this gonna take? To be entirely honest, I have no idea. We just have to hope someone hears our emergency beacon. Great. Well, I'll just sit down here and try and stay warm while we wait. You know, ship, at first I thought, oh wow, you know, I've always wanted a change in my life and felt like I should go do something great. Flying around the universe with an alien ship, discovering, seeing things that no human has ever seen before. This could be my new life. I'm kind of regretting that thought a little now. I'm pretty cold, really tired. The back of my head still really hurts. Things are starting to seem a little grim. I don't know if I'll be surviving the rigors of space past this day. I hope so, but all I really wanted was just a little adventure in my life. Oh, and the adventure, without dying if possible. Well, if that doesn't happen, it's been good knowing you, ship. And if you don't mind, I'm kind of done talking for a bit. James? Listen, ship, I thought I told you. Someone is responding to our distress call. Really? You're not pulling my leg or anything here. Because unlike Worf, to be honest, today didn't seem like a good day to die. Who is it? I suspect he is a smuggler. His name is Vincendar. He's part of a giant lizard race that is known to have illegal dealings throughout the universe. Are we talking more Japanese Godzilla or more Matthew Broderick Godzilla or more like a, a Jabba the Hutt? Think more. Captain Kirk fighting Gorn. Are you ready to talk with him? Yeah, go ahead and put him on. Hi, my name is James. Who are you? Well, uh, hey there, my name's Vincenda, but my friends call me Vinny. I heard that you twos could be needing some help. Looks like you hit a little bit of a rough patch recently. You know, if my scanners are correct, which they almost always are, you need some parts for repairs to get yourself moving and your life support systems. Very important for you humans. Yeah, you could say we hit a little bit of a rough patch. If the patch was an asteroid running into you. Pesky asteroids, let me tell ya. You know, I happen to have a few spare parts that could fix up your broken systems. They're just lying around if you want them. 
<sighs> that sounds great, but like you said, our life support system is offline. And if there's any way you could help us out with that, that would be super great. Oh, that would be very kind of you, Vinny. Listen, I'd love to help. You seem like a bunch of fine folks, but I am a businessman. If there's some sort of arrangement we could set up here, that'd be great. You know, a little bit of you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Well, you are human. I could certainly fetch a pretty penny for one of those reviews you love to give on movies or something. What do you say? Really? That's what you want? All right, then. Uh, better stay frosty. This one's coming in hot. You know when you see a trailer and you think, oh, man, I'm not sure how good this is going to be. The animation looks so-so. It doesn't seem like a very funny animated movie slash superhero movie. And it looks like a weird version of Spider-Man. Like they're just trying too hard. That was Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse for me. Was is the key word there, really. It was that kind of trailer for me. It just looked weird tonally and just kind of like a dumb idea. Like how, how would they make that work? How do you take a bunch of weird spider men and women and throw them together in a movie and make that work? But let me tell you, like, it really works. Uh, yeah, I guess. As a blizzard with some discerning tastes, let me tell you, I know where you're coming from. A blizzard? That's the name of my race. We are blizzard people. Okay, but... Why blizzard? Well, as you can see, let me just lift my shirt up a little bit here, and there you go. I've got a kind of blue belly, and there you have it. Blue belly, lizard, blizzard. Ah, I totally see what you guys are doing there. You know, you kind of remind me of, uh, some, no offense, no offense. I don't know if this is offensive, but some lizards from back home, uh, just way bigger. The art and the style in this movie, for me, that is the new gold standard for animated movies, especially comic book style animated movies. It's, uh, something that, uh, how do you humans say it? Oh, really freaking sweet. The color palette of this movie is one of the things that really sets it apart for me. It's so vibrant, and at the same time, just it looks like a comic book. But also sometimes takes some crazy jumps into the neon realm of color, and it totally works. The neon realm? Let me tell you, since I visited that place a few times, you really don't want to sneeze there. You'll get some truly disgusting colors. Turns the stomach, if you know what I mean. I've never been to the Neon realm before, but all I'll be doing now, when and if I go there, is trying not to sneeze. So thanks. Thanks for that. The color palette isn't the only thing that sticks out in the art style. It also has this awesome and really true to the comic book art style. Like, for instance, in older comic books, uh, you know when they have those, like, colored dots? 
the colored dot effect that you see on the pages. They use that style in the movie, and it like it doesn't detract from anything. It, it doesn't distract you from just watching the movie. It just adds a lot of character to the art. If I knew what a comic book was, I absolutely would be checking those colored dots out, let me tell you. Because these eyes that I got here, they can see way more colors than a human can. For example, when you think of my uh, great-great-grandpa, the chameleon, you think of a kind of like a leafy green, right? Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> gotcha there, bud. Chameleons change color. I swear, I thought you humans are supposed to be pretty smart or something. <laughs> you got me, dumb old humans. So dumb. Not sure if you've ever seen or heard of these things before, but there was something called motion comics a while back. It's where they used to use still comic book art, some small amounts of animation and sound effects and voice acting to give you an almost brought-to-life comic book look. They basically did that, but brought it to just a whole new level where this is really, I'm just hammering it home at this point, it's a comic book that's been brought to life in a movie. Cartoons, like uh, Looney Tunes or something, right? No, this isn't just animation. This is an animated comic book. It goes into the finer minutia of the movie, kind of just the grain of the movie. Like when they use comic book self-referential humor. A couple Spider-Mans are swinging around in a forest, and Miles Morales is one of them. He's learning how to swing. The older, broke-down Spider-Man is telling him to thwip out the spider-web. And every time they're saying thwip, they also have the word thwip spelled out on screen. Little touches like that make this movie just so good for me. Funny you should mention thwipping, because as a small baby lizard, that's the word we use for catching food with our tongues. Just with a mere thwip. And you got yourself a snack. Mmm, needleflies. Such a good snack. Oh, jeez, that sounds so gross. I haven't eaten anything in a whole day, and I'm gonna be sick. The art and style of the movie is definitely the strongest thing to me, but the characters and the story were also really good as well. I'll probably be getting into spoiler-ish territory, so plug your little lizard ear holes if you don't want anything spoiled. Shamik Moore really delivered an awesome performance, too, as Miles Morales. I really do feel a kid that is out of his element, like Spider-Man's original story generally is. He recently started at a new school, and is really missing his old life and his friends. And as those teenagers tend to be, gets really annoyed by his parents, and finds his uncle way cooler, so spends a lot more time with him, and talks to him about, you know girls and high school and art and all the cool things that kids do and more than any other spider-man you really feel for the kid and root for him to figure it out i gotta say it's just an excellent excellent job as a teenager i never would have hung out with my uncle because as a teenage blizzard older males will sometimes try and eat you 
so they have a better chance of, you know, getting some tail and spawning with a nice lady lizard. Oh, uh, yeah. I uh, totally feel you on that. One time, my uncle threw my ball over the fence because he said, I was being too loud outside. Oh, those uncles. So mean sometimes. The other main character is basically Grumpy Uncle Spider-Man from another universe. He shows up right when Spider-Man from Miles Morales' current universe is killed. It's kind of cool that they did that uh, with Spider-Man getting killed because Miles Morales uh, becomes a thing shortly after Spider-Man dies in the Ultimate Universe, which is where Miles Morales came from. So it's just a cool way that they followed through with that. Let me guess what happens next. Grumpy Uncle Spider-Man tries to kill and eat Miles Morales. Hmm, no, not exactly, but he definitely puts him in harm's way a few times. Not with the intent of killing him or injuring him, but because he doesn't really seem to care much either way. He's washed up Spider-Man that has seen it all and doesn't exactly need or want a sidekick or partner or anyone that relies on him. It's just Spider-Man that's just kind of over it. He, uh, sounds like a great uncle. Someday, I hope to have an uncle like that. I don't think you can just get uncles, right? I mean, you you have to have them or just not have them. In the Blizzardian tradition, if you eat and kill all members of a brood of lizards, you're now, by law, related to the uncle, whether he likes it or not. Oh, jeez, Vinny, that's so dark. I don't think your new uncle would be very fond of you if you did that. But it does give him a better chance of mating during spawning season. Alright then. The more you know. There's also Spider-Gwen in this movie, which is kind of the love interest for Miles Morales for a short period in the beginning. They never really take it too far, though. She's a great character as well, but just takes a backseat to old broke-down Spider-Man. The thing that worked the best for me in this movie is between Miles Morales, his dad, and his actual uncle. Oh, real uncle. Better watch out for him. His uncle really is a great part of the movie. Miles looks up to him. His uncle gives him advice on things. He's just the much cooler version of his dad, basically. They go tagging in the subway together, which also, coincidentally, puts Miles right in the path of a neon mutant spider that happens to give him powers. That's the sort of uncle I always wished for. Instead of always fearing for my life, we could be hanging out on a really warm rock, talking about why I was too shy to share a fly with a nice blizzard girl at school. The best scene, spoiler incoming by the way, was right after Miles fought his uncle because he was actually one of the bad guys and was trying to kill Miles. I knew it! I freaking knew it! Uncles trying to kill the young of the extended family? It's a universal thing. I knew it! I think the reason was more that he was ordered by Kingpin to kill Spider-Man and didn't exactly realize that Miles was the new Spider-Man. After they have their fight and Miles reveals that he is Spider-Man, Kingpin is there like, You gotta kill him or else... So he doesn't kill him because, you know, he loves his nephew and doesn't want to see him get hurt. 
Kingpin shoots his uncle, then Miles grabs him, and they get away. And as he is just freaking out, since he's a 13-year-old kid and his uncle is dying in front of him, his dad, a cop, comes up and sees him in the Spider-Man costume still, and assumes that Spider-Man just killed his brother. Kind of gnarly stuff already. A, a bit standard fare for Spider-Man. Uncle Ben has died so many times in the comics. So I guess why not throw another uncle into the grinder? Freaking uncles. I tell ya, my Uncle Luke's, they call him Louie for short, is the meanest son of a gun. I hope you never run into him. Duly noted, I hope I never run into him. So that last scene I was laying out for you was just the setup for the scene after with Miles and his dad. Miles is trying to convince the rest of the spider crew to let him go with them to stop the kingpin and save the universes, but they don't let him go because he's just not ready and doesn't have enough control over his powers yet. Reminds me of the time my mother wouldn't let me stay the night at summer camp because I still wet the bed as a teenager. She said I wasn't ready and that wetting the bed was my superpower. Gotta say, sounds like a rough family life there. Have you been to therapy at all? My pops said that therapy is for yellow bellies and us blue bellies hate being compared to yellow belly lizards because uh, blue is clearly a superior color. Alright, so after the other spider crew leaves him behind, tied up to a chair, his mouth is covered with spider rub so he can't even talk, his dad comes up to his door and sees his shadow moving underneath it. His dad is just there to kind of reach out and connect with Miles, because they've grown apart a little bit throughout the movie, after finding out and seeing his brother die. So Miles still needs to get untied to get to the other spider folk and help them defeat Kingpin because he wants to be a part of it. But also, at the same time, he's still in the spider suit his dad saw at the scene of his crime where he found his brother dead. It's such a good and wonderfully rich and complex scene. It just felt so intimate and heartfelt. It's just such a, it's a good moment. Especially for an animated film, I'm definitely not going to be forgetting it anytime soon. Lizards can't cry because they don't uh, have tear ducts, but uh, let me tell you, if I could, I might consider it. Miles does bust out of there eventually, and then you get to enjoy a heroic montage with some great music. One other thing I wanted to touch on is how they do comedy in this movie. I appreciated it a lot. It wasn't a hilarious movie, but it was definitely funny. What I enjoyed about the humor is that they didn't go the route of most Marvel movies. I know this isn't a Marvel Studios movie, but just the kind of tone of them where the humor tends to be a cutting sarcasm, just non-sop. That starts to grow thin after a while, where there is, you know, a bit more physical humor in this, since it is animated, and animated movies tend to have a lot of kids that go to them. And there's also a lot of situational humor, more than anything else. Well, uh, what if I told you that you won't be getting any of those spare parts I mentioned earlier, because I happen to be a huge fan of sarcastic humor? Oh, well, that would really, um, suck. Well, them's the brakes, kid. I mean, your ship breaks. Ah, <laughs> oh, 
Ah, you should have heard your voice. Oh, well, that would really suck. Go suck an egg, you freaking mongoose. <laughs> of course I'm still gonna get you those pots. I was just jerking your chain. Ha ha ha. Oh, yeah, that's, um, funny. Good joke there, Vinny. Well, I guess I should finish up here. They really ended it wonderfully, and it gives you the warm fuzzies. Unlike me here, uh, Miles just happens to be Spider-Man. He isn't special. Any one of us could be Spider-Man. He just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he's going to do something with those powers now. They showed him fail and be the weak link among the spider friends and be so, so unsure of himself like anyone, but still do something about it. Also, Nicolas Cage is in it. Best Nicolas Cage movie ever. Ah, oh, wow, really great stuff, kid. I loved it. Well, let me beam that stuff aboard and you should be good to go. Good luck out there. Awesome, now we should be good to go, but ship, what exactly am I supposed to do with this? I don't know how to fix a freaking spaceship. Join us next time to find out what happens to our intrepid adventurers.